Hey, this is the national treasure, Nick Aldis, and you're listening to the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast, as my buddy Nick Aldis likes to say. Uh, we are back with yet another edition on the heels of, oh, you know what we should have done, dude? Instead of what we're doing today, we could have done a watch-along with Goldberg versus The Undertaker and the rest of um, Samurai Showdown last week. <laughs> uh, you know, that's uh, Samurai Showdown. That's that's new. Uh why? What do you mean? What's a samurai showdown? Possibly the greatest Neo Geo game of all time. And a Goldberg and Undertaker are in that, that game? Goldberg and Undertaker are in that game? Is that what you're telling me? If they were in that game, it would have been a hell of a lot better than what I watched last Friday. But Samurai Showdown, super slow down, uh, greatest Royal Rumble gimmick, trying to get India over, whatever you want to call it. Um, so here's the thing. We asked. That was quite horrible. Most of that was pretty terrible. Oh God! I hope no one's listening to this. That's uh, well. You know what? Well, um, I'll just probably isn't, hold on, hold on, hold on. Isn't Mansoor the guy that won the Royal Rumble? Where is he from? Mansoor won the Battle Royal. I believe is from Saudi Arabia. Yes. Are you sure? I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I can look it up now. Um, I can I'm, tell you where he's not from. If you, want I'm like seventy thirty. He was from actually India. All right. Because well. Mansoor is it's he's an Indian. a Saudi Arabian professional wrestler, born in India. No, um, I don't think that's what that means, Mike. Okay, we'll listen. Anyway. The fact that they, I never even heard of this guy and he beat everybody in the Royal Rumble or whatever it was. It was terrible. But you know what else is terrible, Joe? A gentleman by the name of at, hold on, let me get the at right because I don't, I want to, if I'm going to blame his, somebody, what's that? His first name? His first name is at? You know what? You really, you really, you really busted my balls. I'm right just asking, right. these are, I'm just, these are just questions that I have. That's all. I don't know what okay. we, you know, the show was different, the, you know, the show, different show, different country. I didn't want to make sure we were on the same page. A minute ago, and now, um, go ahead. There, there was a you put out a, a note on the uh, on the Twitter to see what people may want us to review for yes. one of our not retro so reviews. retro reviews. Yes, and let's be very honest with the people because we're always very transparent. The reason why we're doing a retro review 
because there's really nothing worthwhile talking about in professional wrestling right now. We could have done a review for um, the gimmick showdown. Spoiler, it sucked. Um, really nothing to talk about. Raw and SmackDown, nothing to talk about. Ring of Honor shows, stuff like that. So we figured we're going to you know, turn the clock back on the retro review. So our buddy at Ted is Law said we should do either Wrestle Kingdom 9 or WrestleMania 9. I don't know what's with my guy and the wrestle and the number 9, but we decided to do um WrestleMania 9 because Wrestle Kingdom 9 was like 37 hours long and we only have so much time in the day. So unfortunately today I sat through WrestleMania 9 from top to bottom and we're going to do a retro review on this mother wrestlemania 9 show so uh do you have the cool intro music from wrestlemania 9 queued up no mike i don't do you want to sing it then no, i don't know what the what are the words uh da 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 Da, 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 da. WrestleMania 9. Da, 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 da. No, wasn't it either? I have the card up, and we can go through that anytime that you're ready. You know what? Let's just we'll start at the first match. We'll just go there and then let's we'll go match start. by match. Yeah, let's look at um, However, I do want to say uh going back and watching it, you know, to me, wrestling was fun back then. I was a kid, I didn't have choices. I had WCW and WWF, and that was it. And I guess when you don't have a lot of choices, you're you know you you watch what you watch. Now when you have choices, if it's not as good, you can go to one of your other options. Um, but to me, I mean, it was fun back then. Um, Bobby Heenan coming out backwards on the camel will forever be one of my favorite WrestleMania entrances. Um, it was hilarious. His comedic timing was great. Uh, Macho Man was coming out. Jim Ross was talking about virgins, and like I was a little, little odd. He's like, uh, "Yeah, all well, the virgins are here. They're pure of heart." I'm like, "Dude, what are you, what are you talking about, Jr.? Jr. didn't really sound like himself. He didn't sound like NWA, WCW, Jr. At this point either. He kind of sounded a little bit nervous. And I guess you know, if you have Vince McMahon telling you what to do every moment of everything, you don't want to mess up. So that was what I took away from the whole uh, intro to the great Caesars Palace toga party known as WrestleMania 9. Yeah, it was a, a little bit of a different uh, type setup, I guess, for WrestleMania uh, this this year. It was, uh, like you said, it was at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. It was uh, an outdoor setting. Um, it was just, you know, a little bit of a different, unique setup. So, I remember at the time watching it as a, as a kid, I thought it was uh, you know an interesting uh, type thing, a comparison to you know a big stadium show they'd had at WrestleMania eight, um, and then you know different stadiums that they had run, whether it was regular size arenas, uh, Pontiac Silverdome, um, Trump Plaza, WrestleMania four and five. So they had kind of been mixing it up back then, which is not a bad thing, I think, as far as you know just the presentation overall. So uh, yeah, that was that was the. Uh, the setup for this year's WrestleMania 1993, WrestleMania nine. And, uh, well, I guess we can get into it, but, and then at the end, we'll kind of give our thoughts overall on the show, but this, this show is some wildly, uh, infamous stuff that happens on it. So the opener was the, uh, intercontinental champion, Shawn Michaels defending against Tonka, uh, in this match, Shawn had Luna Vashon 
in his corner, while Tatanka had sensational Sherry in his corner. Yeah, to me, this is my favorite version of Shawn Michaels. Um, out of all of his iterations, I, I love the uh, the Shawn and Luna gimmick. It was kind of like Beauty and the Beast. The tights were awesome. The intro was good. Uh, th- this is my uh, my my favorite Shawn Michaels. Uh, I thought Bobby Heenan did a really good job in the opening match, telling people that how that how listen to me, telling people that it was. Tatanka might have had HBK's number because he pinned HBK in a six-man tag. And just, you know, kind of leading up to the match. And, of course, at this point, Shawn Michaels was the Intercontinental Champion. Um, Also, at some point, uh, talking about politically incorrect, I believe (laughs) Bobby (laughs) referred to Tatanka as Chief Running Water, which I really – which I got a kick out of, which you probably would not get past today's TV censors in doing. Um, but uh, also one of my favorite Bobby Heenan's lines from the match was, uh, Shawn Michaels hit a super kick and Heenan goes, put the wagons in the circle and sign the treaty. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby, he was absolutely, uh, on fire. And there were a lot of things that Michaels did pretty well in this match. Um, you know, the, the dive off the, uh, dive off the ring apron. Uh, it picked up towards the end. There was a great cross body to a power slam spot too, but I think the finish was, atrocious and it really took away from the whole match there i understand michael's winning by dq um but he that's what he has luna vachon for i don't feel like he needed to trip the referee in a spot where there was no reason to uh to trip the referee referee so i thought it was it was a started slow picked up towards the middle but then the finish really killed it for me yeah i mean i read uh at the time you know some things i guess about this and i i can only assume that maybe at the start of the year this was supposed to be a spot for Marty Jannetty probably to be challenging for this, this title on the show. And then due to whatever problems that he had at that time, it didn't work out. So they put the Tonka in this spot. Yeah, that was one of them. Um, they put the Tonka in this spot and I think that they just didn't want to hang a loss on him uh, as well. And, you know, given, being that it was the opener, I guess they were just kind of focused on hopefully getting a, a good, good match out of it. And I, and I thought it was solid, although the, the pairing with Luna seemed a little bit, thrown together uh, although i know they wanted to counter the sensational sherry piece of the story but uh so i think that the the storyline overall was kind of uh impeded by different things and um yeah i mean tatanka winning by count out you know uh not not the best way to open the show as far as a finish. Oh, oh, dq um wikipedia tells me he won by count out so um i'm just going by uh the read what i'm reading here but uh you know he uh they like you said, there's no clean finish here. I guess it was just kind of, you know, they didn't want either guy to lose, so that's what they 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 came up with. Uh, I dispute Wikipedia. Um, there was an awkward spot at the end of the match where Michaels tripped the referee and pulled the referee outside, but it was like there was no really need for him to do that. So, which is why I didn't get it. Um, I did write down, and I don't want anybody to take offense to this, that Tatanka was like a dollar store version of Ricky Steamboat. Uh, he was kind of doing a lot of Ricky Steamboat's moves at this point. Uh, he did a cross body block. He did the chop off the top rope, and then there was uh, something else he did. So for me, if we're giving out star ratings to it, I went three stars, Joe. Yeah, three even is probably about right. So that was the opener. Uh, the next match on the card was a tag match. It's the Steiner Brothers versus the Head Shrinkers. Um, so this was a period of time 
you know, uh, which I don't think lasted very long, but where the Steiners were in the WWF uh, getting a push as a tag team. And uh, this match I thought was pretty good. Uh, you know, I, at the time when I was, again, I was like a 10, 10 years old or whatever. I didn't really know necessarily too much about these teams. I knew that the Steiners were from WCW, but I didn't really know much more than that. But I thought the match was pretty hard hitting. There was some uh, you know, pretty good spots in it. And uh, I don't know. I, I like the match personally. So, I mean, you know, I thought the show was off to a good start here with the Steiner brothers getting the victory over the head shrinkers. Uh, for me, I I just watched the Steiners versus the head shrinkers, but I watched Steiner brothers versus the Samoan SWAT team um, probably two years earlier in the NWA. Um, so they, it was kind of interesting that just two years pre prior, they were both in the NWA and, and tearing things up. Um, I will say, uh, I'm going to give a lot of Bobby Heenan. My favorite line was Jim Ross called it a slobber knocker, which might've been the first time Jim Ross ever used slobber knocker in the WWF. And Heenan goes a slobber knocker. I thought that's what they call the waitress at the tip top cafe in downtown Tulsa. I was like, wow, that's the stuff you can get away with as Bobby Heenan. Um, there was a messed up hot shot on this match, uh, on Scott Steiner. I don't know if you happen to recall, but, um, Fatu whipped Scott Steiner off the rope, and then he caught him, and he went to, I guess, drop him on the uh, – catch him and then drop him backwards on the top rope, and he completely overshot it and literally dumped Scott Steiner full speed on his head outside of the ring. Uh, there was no replay back then, but you could see how angry Steiner got because the rest of the match he worked, like, super-duper stiff. Um, Fatu has a uh, phenomenal super kick in this match, by the way, and I was also kind of surprised that – it seemed like uh, Scott was the Ricky Morton of the group at this point because he was getting beat on for uh, quite a long time in this match until he made the hot tag to Rick. Um, there was a great spot. It was, again, way, way before its time. Head Trinkets had, uh, I guess, Fatu had Rick on his shoulders and a doomsday device, and Samu went to jump off the ropes. Well, Rick caught him in midair on Samu's shoulders and hit him with a belly-to-belly over, uh, backwards. It, it should have been the finish of the match. It wasn't. Unfortunately, there was a terrible Frankenstein that kind of, again, ruined the finish for me because he looked like Scott jumped way too early and he didn't catch Samu and Samu dumped himself on his head anyway. Um, I thought it was a good match. I didn't like it as much as you did. Um, I gave it one to two and three quarter stars on it. Hmm. I went like three and a quarter. I, I really thought it was uh, very entertaining and like you know hard hitting for whatever reasons there were. But you know, given those first two matches, I thought the show was off to a decent start. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a bad match by any means, but it, I, I I agree the undercard was really uh, well. Joe, unfortunately, it's about to get a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. So here we go with uh, the next match, which is a singles match between. Doink the Clown and Crush, evil Doink the Clown at this time. Um, and people who have watched this show may remember it for there being two Doinks uh, as part of this match, which led to Doink the Clown uh, beating Crush, one of the Doinks, I guess, beating beating Crush in this match, which at the time, you know, again, when, when you're a kid and you're watching it, uh, different than now when you kind of look back at it, but I was surprised to see that this was the case given that I thought, you know, crush was in line for a pretty big push at the time. And in fact, I think at King of the ring a few months later, he would get an intercontinental title shot. So I was surprised that doink, uh, got the win here. And, you know, obviously the, uh, the evil doink character was abandoned not too long uh after this maybe like by the end of the year or maybe early 94 so but uh yeah doink the clown double doinks man you know how would that get over today double doinks sounds like a jasmine st Clair video 
Um, I will. The couple of things I took a note from this match. Macho, um, while I love him and his in ring, he is terrible on commentary. I'm not saying he was forever, but I, I think the three man booth of Macho, um, Macho Man Randy Savage, Bobby Heenan, and Jim Ross. Really, really tough. Uh, tough on Macho. He didn't really know what he was doing out there. And he was really trying to put over his buddy, Crush, and uh, it wasn't really working. I really think the the evil Doink character had legs. It's, I mean, that's clearly where you're getting a lot of the Firefly Funhouse kind of stuff from, I think. Um, his entrance song was it was great, too. How it started out as a... Dun, 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 and then just went like totally dark. I was a huge fan of the character. Um, Crush was super green. I mean, he was wrestling for, what, less than a year at this point, I think? Well, I mean, he had been in demolition. Uh, oh yeah, so that. Two, yeah, actually, probably three years. Yeah, he actually longer than I thought. He was he he still looked green in this match. He looked lost. Um, Doink did a lot of stuff off the top rope that made no sense. Um, just like a and missing some things. The, the crowd was super dead. I think they were in an unenviable spot though, because like you said, the first two matches were good, and they were fast paced matches. And then to have Crush and Doink come out here, um, but. I think the two doinks, the idea behind that, like I said, the, the evil doink thing, it had legs. It could have been a really good gimmick, but uh, they crushed it. <laughs> nice. Nice crush pun there. And then uh, the baby face doink was, came shortly after. Do you know if this was Matt Bourne or Big Josh at this point? I think it was uh, – who was the original? Wait. I think Matt Bourne was the original. Isn't Matt Bourne is Matt Bourne not Big Josh? Oh no, I'm sorry, Big Josh or um, who was the other guy that took over for him? I don't know his name. Anyway, regardless, I wasn't sure he was, but um, interesting, interesting finish. Bobby Heenan really did his best to sell the um the fake arm that hit Crush. He's like, oh, I see batteries in the ring, like just classic Bobby Heenan stuff. Uh, I went uh, a star and a half on this one, Joe. Yeah, I think that's about that's about right. I mean, it's really more, I guess, about you know the characters the and, and the gimmick, yeah, and getting them getting them over. So, um, you know, th- it, there's really not much not much to it at that time. Uh, but yeah, I guess the thing was, like I was saying earlier, that was just a little bit b- a bummer is that they you know, they <clears throat> ended the doink the evil doink character. You know, uh, kind of cut that run off and turned him into a, you know, largely a comedy figure soon after that. And, um, you know, it just didn't really get much further than that for either of these guys. So the next match is a pretty quick one. It's Razor Ramon and Bob Backlund. And this basically amounted to a uh, glorified squash, I guess you could say, for uh, for Razor, um, who had come in with a lot of uh, fanfare. Got pushed to the top of the card pretty quickly. He would lose to Bret Hart at the Rumble a few months before this. And uh, this feels like one of those old school WrestleMania matches that was kind of just tossed together and thrown on the card um, to make Razor look look, look good and look strong. Uh, Backlund, this was during his comeback run, but not, not... He wasn't crazy yet. He was not yet turned heel, yes. So he was still kind of just the uh, old school, a little bit, little bit doofy Bob Backlund. So Razor got the win here in like less than four minutes. Yeah, um, listen, I actually watched this match twice. And what I wrote down in here is for WrestleMania, what in the... And who thought this was a good idea? Um, Razor Ramon is super over and he looks like a star. The crowd is behind every single thing he does. Bob Backlund seems like watching this, doesn't it seem like Backlund's generation was like 
20 years, 30, 40 years ago? Like, I'm not crazy, right? Yeah, I think that's that's because it was, right? I mean, this is, you know, you're talking about, well, he was, what, late 70s, early 80s, I think, was his thing. So, Dude, Backlund was as old in this match as John Cena is now. Yeah, like, so his era was kind of gone by by that point. And, you know, I guess he was really just there. I, I can't even really say to get a good match out of out of somebody in this particular case, but just because Razor beat him in you know short order, so it's probably just to give Razor some credibility. And but if know. they're gonna get Razor credibility, I feel like the last two minutes of this match, Razor should have been bumping like a savage for him. He did him like three of the worst hip tosses I've ever seen, and then back alone for a drop kick, completely missed it. To which the, the announcers called it, and then Razor had to sell it. And then if you want to get Razor over, why does he win with a roll up at WrestleMania in four minutes against forty three year old Bob Backlund? Why am I so mad about something that happened? It seems like you've got a lot of hatred towards, you know, a lot of underlying issues with Bob Backlund. And I'm not sure <laughs> if that's because of his political history or what's going on there, but there seems to be something that you might need to work out with uncle Bob. Listen, half a star. So yeah, I, I can't even really rate it. It's just, it's too short. It's a squash squash. Now we're getting to some of the meat and potatoes here of the, uh, of WrestleMania nine. The meat spoiled uh, Joe. It's spoiled meat. It's kind of, I guess, a, the co-main event. It's in the middle of the show. It's the, the tag team championships. Money, Inc., who are the champions, which is Ted DiBiase and, and IRS, versus Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake. So there's some things, I guess, that we can discuss going into this. Number one is a lot of this, a big part of this feud, at least the angle that I remember the most, and I, I would guess maybe a lot of people remember the most, is you know Beefcake people had known had a history of a boating accident. Uh, his face had to be quote unquote, put back together with plates and screws. If you listen to the WWF announcers at the time, and there was an angle on raw actually where, uh, money Inc hit him in the face with the Halliburton briefcase. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was a pretty somewhat, you know, I guess pretty serious angle at that time. And I think it also led to a Jimmy Hart baby face turn around this time as well. So that's the one thing I think I remember going into it. The other thing I remember at the start of the match, which was there's uh, all sorts of uh, internet lore about Hulk Hogan's black eye uh, that he comes out with during the match, which WWF announcers indicated was due to, I believe, some sort of parasailing or boating accident of his own. Jet ski accident was the Jet ski. Uh, there you go. Calls, yeah. Um, but the rumors at the time were that he got punched in the face by macho man, Randy Savage think because Savage said he had an affair with Miss Elizabeth. So who knows what the real answer is? And I'm sure we won't get it out of Hulk Hogan, but that is, um, the two different reasons behind why Hulk Hogan had a, a black eye and a pretty messed up eye at the time. And I will also say, I guess, just before we, as we get into this is that I, at the time was assuming that Hulk Hogan and Bruce Beefcake would win the tag team titles and was surprised that that was not the case. Yeah, the match sucked. Um, at the time, I also thought the same thing. I, I, I mean, clearly we know why he didn't do that. Um, it was kind of a paint-by-numbers tag match, and neither one could really do much in terms of Hogan and Beefcake, so Debiasi did most of the heavy lifting, very dissimilar to how we did it um, when he tagged with Zeus. Or uh, What am I thinking of? SummerSlam? That was Debiasi. No, it's macho. It macho, macho man, bro. Who? Debiase and Andre was the year before. Thank you. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, same deal. Debiase did all the heavy lifting. This it was filler to get Brutus a payday. Is really what it was to get his buddy on the card. It was 40 minutes of complete. And um, it, it. I don't even want. Whatever. One star. The match sucked. I had no use for it. 
It was uh, it was only eighteen minutes, buddy. Maybe it felt like forty, but uh, it was only well, about- no, including the uh, the pre match shenanigans and the post match pose down. Oh, you timed it, timed it out. Um, yeah, it felt like a hundred. Yeah, I, I mean, again, the, the match was not special. Unfortunately, it was it was somewhat boring in parts. Uh, again, the, the ending was a little flat. I thought that you know, I, I assumed that Hogan and Beefcake would win the tag titles here because I thought Hogan was moving into that type of role, even at the time. How silly I was! Um, so I think I gave it like maybe two stars. Uh, but again, yeah, but I was surprised that you know they didn't win the titles. So I just, you just had this finish in the Shawn Michaels Tatanka match. So two and two out of four matches so far, you have a BS, uh, you know, chicanery finish, and uh, spoiler, it's getting even worse. So next up, Joe, why don't you kick us off here? We have uh, Lex Luger against Mister Perfect. So at this time, Lex Luger was still in the narcissist gimmick, uh, which he had entered the WWF too, and Mister Perfect was a babyface around this time. So and I think a lot of people myself included at the time, but probably some wrestling fans that were a little bit older were expecting this to be a, you know, a very good match because Luger had a, a pretty solid history of matches in WCW NWA with guys like Ric Flair, Sting, and a few others. He was a champion there. And and uh, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, had a, a solid run in the AWA and WWF for years. It was really not that good. I'm going to be honest. It was a little disappointing. Um, you know, Luger was just, I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer is. I don't want to speculate. It just he didn't really seem... Uh, super motivated for whatever reason. I don't know if they, things just didn't mix well during the match. It was not that great. I guess it was a little bit, a uh, little bit disappointing for me. I would say on on this one. Uh, the best part about the match were the uh, females in these scantily clad outfits previous to the match, holding the Vestal mirrors. Virgins, I believe. What's that? The Vestal Virgins or something like that. Yeah, whatever they were. I completely agree with you. Uh, Luger. The story was Luger KO'd Bret Hart that morning at the WrestleMania brunch. I mean, long live kayfabe. I'm a big fan of that. Um, Luger sold for perfect in the beginning. And I thought I, I, how can I put this? I don't want to disrespect anybody. Luger sold for perfect. And I thought we were on our way to a decent match. I mean, cause perfect's not Ric Flair, but he's not a schlep either. And Ric Flair and Sting were both able to get good matches out of Lex Luger. So was Barry Windham. So I, I had hopes for this match. Um, the crowd was huge behind perfect, but then towards like the middle and the end, there was a ton of miscommunication. There were three or four spots where it was clear as day. Perfect was trying to throw a clothesline over Luger and Luger was supposed to duck. Luger ate the same forearm like three times. Because he didn't duck, and and you could see Perfect clearly getting frustrated. Um, and then you had the, the the schmoz finish where Luger won, and Perfect's feet were on the ropes. And the guy is a heel, and he's got a steel plate in his forearm. Why do you need to have a schmoz like that if you're just going to have Luger pin Perfect with his feet on the ropes and then knock him out with the plate anyway? I don't know. I, I I had high hopes for it, and then they came crashing down. I want a star in three quarters for this match. Yeah, I think I maybe went like two and a quarter or something like that. I mean, but it was, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate that they. I think he knocked him out after the match, right? And then uh, Perfect got up, went to the back, and chased him where he was attacked by Shawn Michaels in the backstage area, yep. um, kind of moving these guys into different directions after that. And again, you know, we we talked a little bit about the, the evil Doink character not really lasting as long as we maybe had thought it would. 
Um, similarly, the narcissist character did not last very long because by the summer of this year, Lex Luger would turn into the, uh, I don't know what you would call him. Lex, Lex Express. Express. Yeah, yeah. USA, AOK, you know, that type of stuff. So, um, USA is on the way. So next up, we have The Undertaker in a singles match uh, against Giant Gonzalez. This match um, was a giant piece of is really what this was. Uh, I I wrote down uh, WTF, am I watching? Gonzalez with a skeleton suit was just a whole new level. Not even a skeleton suit. I guess it was a skin, under skin, body suit. Uh, in my mind, Vince McMahon is looking at going, ha, oh, they're going to love it. Oh, this is going to be great. That's exactly how I picture Vince responding to that. Um, I'll give it to Taker. He tried. He really he bumped for uh, Giant Gonzalez like crazy. He was getting hip tossed. They were just garbage. Um, it was rest hold the mania for a while in there. And I mean, I will say this as far as imposing figures, Giant Gonzalez, the dude literally made Taker look like a little girl, like a, a like a child. Um, but. Taker did not have – he didn't do one legitimate move. In the entire match, there was not one move that Taker could do because Gonzalez couldn't you know, couldn't sell for him. Um, a, a giant Gonzalez, I mean, it's not a bad idea for a character. If the guy can work, he can't work. Put him as somebody's enforcer. Put him as somebody by ringside. That's fine. Don't, you don't even have to wrestle a match. Um, the finish saw giant Gonzalez murder the Undertaker with a chloroform reg. Uh, in another completely terrible BS uh, finish. This is like the WrestleMania full of uh, dust. Not even a dusty finish, just a an F finish. So I, I gave it a quarter of a star. Yeah, it, again, it's another DQ finish on the show. So we've got two DQs and a count out already in, in you know, the first seven matches. So it's kind of rough. Uh, yeah, it was a dudski for me. I don't want to go into negative star territory. I feel like you only save those for certain certain occasions, but not the best. Um, but Undertaker got a win on the winning streak, so that's still intact. So there you go. Great. Uh, all right, now we've got our main event. So Bret Hart, who is the WWF champion, is defending against Yokozuna. Yokozuna had won the Royal Rumble, and I believe – this was the first year. Is it the first year? I want to say it's the first year where the the it was actually declared that the winner of the Rumble would get a title shot at WrestleMania. I, I want to say that's the case. If I'm wrong, I'm sure people who are listening to the show, both of them will point it out on Twitter. Um, but Bret Hart defended against Yokozuna in the main event of WrestleMania 9. They did not have a long match. Uh, obviously, for those people who know or are familiar with Yokozuna, he is quite a large man. And while he could work pretty well for a guy that size, he was not prone to 20 to 25-minute matches. Um, so the end of it basically was trying to get Yokozuna in the sharpshooter. Uh, and Mr. Fuji threw salt in the eyes of Bret Hart. And Yokozuna pinned him and won the WWF title. End of show, right, Mike? Um, that's the way it should have been, Joe. Also, listen, I'm going to dispute you on that countout finish on the first match because I just read four reviews, and two of it said two of them said it, they counted him out, and two of them said it was a DQ. So I'm just going to tweet. Uh, I'll tweet Sean. He'll probably get back to me, right? Yeah, I'm sure he remembers that. that yeah. Um, listen, I watched this match. 
the match itself between Brett and Yoko really surprisingly wasn't that bad. Um, Yoko had just murdered America by uh, uh, like 15 times uh, sitting on Duggan's chest in the old uh, – the hell's he called the move? What am I thinking of here? The bond. Thank you, yeah. And, uh, so he was really sold as like a monster heel. Um, I will say Yokozuna moves better than Giant Gonzalez, The Undertaker, and 2019 Triple H all combined, though, um, which is surprising. Brett was working really hard um, in this match. He was bumping all over the place. My favorite part was when uh, Yokozuna had the uh, the tricep, the um, the trap hold. He had his fingers digging in the neck of Bret Hart, and Jim Ross called it an oriental nerve hold. That was the uh, first time I ever heard that before. That was the first. Um, Brett, like I said, Brett worked hard, but to lose to the salt, just the salt, dude. What are we doing? That's your champion, man. What are we doing? Um, Yoko gets the pin. I actually gave the match two stars. I didn't think it was terrible. The match of the night, though, for me, was the ensuing. Because Hulk Hogan is such a man of the people. He's not a racist. Um, he was never videotaped having intercourse with people. He's America. He is. He was never taking steroids. Hulk Hogan is everything that is right in the world. So what does he do when he sees an injustice at WrestleMania 9? The man comes out and he fights for what he believes in. And what he believes in is America, even though Brett's Canadian. So he comes out to help his buddy Bret Hart because you know as well as I do, Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan have had a storied history together. Tag teaming for 15, 20 years and he cares. And he comes out and he's helping, uh, he's helping Bret Hart to the back. And Mr. Fuji cuts a promo on Hulk Hogan, declaring Yokozuna wants to challenge Hulk Hogan for the title. Joe, my my issue is Mr. Fuji's English was very not good. <laughs> and the crowd could not understand what he was saying as he was challenging. Because, I mean, you want to say, you know what, Hogan? Yokozuna wants to challenge you now. Put the title on the line. And you want that pop. You don't want people to be like, wait, what did he just say? So that's what happened. Uh, Hogan gets in the ring. There was a salt spot, and there was a clothesline, and there was a leg drop. And Hulk Hogan, who was part of a tag team with Brutus the Barber Beefcake against Money, Inc., in the middle of the show, walks out of WrestleMania 9 as your world heavyweight champion. Correct. What a... Bunch of bull- I don't know. I uh, I thought this was. I think when we did our WrestleMania show, we did our um, you know, our uh, our five count, five best and five worst manias. I'm pretty sure this appeared on both of our worst manias. Probably, yeah. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, Neil, listen. Um, again, there's a lot of backstory to this, depending on who whose version you want to believe. Um. You know, there was a, I don't know, there was talk of, you know, Brett winning the title off of Hogan at SummerSlam. Uh, apparently that was not agreed to. Uh, if you, depending on, again, on who you listen to, it could be a situation where Hogan didn't want to lose it to Brett. He thought Brett was too small, whatever. Uh, Hogan ended up losing the title to Yokozuna at King of the Ring that year and then went away for quite a while. Didn't show up back on WWF TV uh, up until, I think, maybe 2002. 
So he was in, he ended up moving over to WCW. So yeah, this is infamously obviously referred to as the WrestleMania nine finish. If people who are into, you know, internet fans, they refer to it as, as that, which is, you know, the main event happens and then surprise, surprise at the end, you get a, uh, a little bit of a crazy, crazy ending. I mean, I think for, you know, for kids at the time, you know, people were, people were excited. I remember the crowd being pretty excited for it to happen. Uh, but you know, if you're a little bit more of an older or mature fan and you look at it, you're probably like, ah, oh, this is not really what Terrible. I want to see. So the problem is though, I mean, listen, he got a good pop for it, but there aren't as many kids in Caesar's palace in Las Vegas as there are in other locations. So I don't know how well this actually worked. It, I, I don't know. It was, um, what do you give the show? I'm interested to hear your opinion. Out of 10, what do you grade this show? Uh, I probably gave it like a 3.5. That's that's where I'd go with it. I literally wrote down 3.5. That was exactly what I had. Um, there was nothing that you had to go back and see. No redeeming anything. Uh, the take the first, uh, Or if you're going to watch it, watch the first two matches for about 35 minutes and turn the show off. It was terrible. It was atrocious. It was one of the worst WrestleManias. It was at a dark time. They really rebounded next year with WrestleMania 10. I will say that they kind of they write they righted a lot of the wrongs they had, and uh, that's really it, man. Listen, as far as things coming up for the all night long wrestling podcast, a bunch of people are sitting back, still listening to the show because you never turn it off because you're interested in what we say. You're saying where can we where can we hear you guys? Where can we talk to you? Where can we catch up with you? At all night long WP everywhere. Social media, every single social media, youtube.com slash all night long wrestling podcast. As far as what's coming up, man, we have a shine show coming up and we have an evolve show coming up. Those are coming up in uh, two weeks. It's going to be a double shot. I'm excited for those two. That should be, um, those should be really good wrestling. Undisputed era guys are going to be on there. So hopefully if you follow us along on our social media, we'll have some behind the scenes stuff. We'll have some, uh, you know, some, uh, some exclusive footage, if you will. Um, what else do we want to touch on, Joe? What else is coming up? I know next weekend. Oh, in the Ring of Honor uh, show as well. Yeah, there's Manhattan Mayhem for Ring of Honor, which is at Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. Just two things I guess I want to touch on before we close out here. Um, one, as per usual, um, bluechew.com, WPP, $5, right? $5 for your first order. No, um, actually, the first order is free. You're just paying you, for the shipping and handling. $5 shipping, right? So what's a clever something I can do with WrestleMania 9? Colossus, Pyramid, Penis, I don't know. Um, well, you got Listen, the, the if you want to get – hold on. I got one. If you want to get yourself as stiff as Scott Steiner's work in WrestleMania 9, then you go to bluechew.com. Use the promo code WPP, which stands for Wrestling Perspective podcast wpp bluechew.com pay five dollars shipping and handling you're gonna get your first order for free and i guarantee after that first order you're gonna be coming back you're gonna be like hulk hogan whenever there's an opportunity you just stick yourself right in there because that's what he does there you go anything for a payday the last thing i'll mention is as we've discussed throughout this show the opening match yeah was it a count out was it a disqualification yeah I've gone to the WWE record books okay. on their website. Okay. Full WrestleMania 9 results. Tatanka defeats Shawn Michaels with Luna Vachon by count out. 
So in the WWF record books, my friends, count out is the answer. So again, for anybody who was looking that up or weren't curious, all the different reviews and results, I stand with Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Joe, do you remember the finish of the match? Yes, it was a count out, Mike. Did you, well, you watched it for the review. So do you remember the finish? Yeah, wasn't there a situation where like Sean couldn't get back in the ring at the 10 count? Tried to no. pull the referee out or something like that. You know what? If that's the case, and the, um, I disagree. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just don't understand how the professional wrestling rules work. But when you grab a referee by his ankle, you pull him out, and he hits the ground face first, and then you pull him out of the ring again, it's a disqualification where I'm from. But listen, this is just another instance of the WWF rewriting the course of history to save the name that is Shawn Michaels. Because you know as well as I do, that was I'm going to go watch it again, see what the referee called. Yeah, you know what? You should what? go watch. You should go watch WrestleMania 9 again after that comment. That's what you should do. Thank you, at Ted is Law. You selfish son of a making me watch this show. But listen, like I said, at All Night Long WP, everywhere we go, there is one show, which everybody knows real quick, one show that I live tweet every week and is one of the best wrestling shows on television that is beyond wrestling's uncharted territory. Um, every Wednesday night on the Independent Wrestling TV uh, app. It's a great show. Don't miss it. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Follow us along at All Night Long WP for live tweeting. Another edition of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast is in the books. He's your host. He's a stallion. I'm the co-host with the mostest. I'm the enforcer, and we're tapping out.